With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Football Social Daily. First football weekend back after the new year, which can mean only one thing. It's the FA Cup third round. Premier League and championship sides enter the competition at this stage. There's only one non-league team left at this stage of the competition. That was AFC Filed. And interestingly, during this podcast, we're going to get some sort of AFC Filed story. I'm Niall. Thanks for listening to the Football Social Daily Sunday version of the show, of course. Normally, this is the Premier League review show, but due to it being the FA Cup, we're going to get our teeth stuck into cup action. Alongside me in the studio today, we've got Jay Motti. Hello, Jay. Hi, mate. You okay? Are you still sort of, you know, enthralled after an amazing nil-nil draw with Wolves? <laughs> yeah, it's a proper mouthwatering class, that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just about recovered from the excitement of uh, Saturday's game. We've got Jack Gorn as well with us, who is the uh, the one who holds that AFC Five story. I know, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on this. I've now. picked it up a bit much there. Might be a little bit too much. <laughs> well, we've also got Pete Hall. Hello, Pete. How are you? Hello, yeah. I'm here just for the FC Files story that I'm going. That's it. He's staying, <laughs> he's staying there straight away, getting his money's worth. Um, of course, plenty of exciting games to talk about in the FA Cup. No less a Merseyside derby in which Everton fans would have turned up expecting to perhaps get something more so than they usually do when they visit Anfield. But unfortunately for them, they lost the game by a goal to nil. 20 years since they last won a Merseyside derby at Anfield. Uh, Crystal Palace in Derby, not a game which many people would have pinpointed as one of the bigger ones of the weekend, but certainly in terms of VAR being used, that was the case. Michael Oliver becomes the first referee in English football history to go and use the VAR pitch side monitor. So we'll be talking about that. How exciting. Uh, Watford threw away a three-goal advantage against League One Tranmere. Tom Pope from Port Vale tweeted something funny and then something not so funny pretty soon afterwards. Uh, And also we'll be talking about Aston Villa, who lost 2-1 to Fulham in the FA Cup should clubs like Villa be focusing more on getting silverware in the trophy cabinet rather than trying to stay up in the Premier League all things to come on today's Football Social Daily podcast but first we'll start talking about the Merseyside derby I think Everton fans Jay would have turned up expecting maybe more so to get a result from this FA Cup game knowing that Liverpool were going to rotate their side I don't think Jurgen Klopp made any secret of that it didn't quite turn out that way these youngsters came into Liverpool's side and, and fitted in rather seamlessly yeah, I do feel for Everton fans because their record against Liverpool is absolutely shocking, especially at Anfield. I think it's, it's going back years, isn't it, since yeah, they've yeah. won at Anfield? Like, 
Over, it's a long time. I don't want to get it wrong, but I think it's Kevin like, Ca- Kevin Campbell. We're talking, yeah. yeah I mean, well, that's as it all. Kevin Campbell was getting goals for him yeah. when the last time we won there. <laughs> so I do feel for him. And my, you know, I've said this as a United fan. My worry with this Liverpool team isn't just that obviously they're going to win the league. We all know that. Is that they could do end up doing a lot. They could win the treble. I think they could. Um, you know, you look at the the way they won the Champions League. Obviously, they, I think they can do the same again this year. Mm. I think there's not many teams in Europe that are better than them of any. Um, and I think in the league they're running away with it. So if they are able to get a tune out of the kids in the FA Cup and then get through to later stages where you might start playing your stronger team, then there's, it's all there for him. I think they can they can seriously, you know, should be in contention for everything. So, yeah, it, Everton will be disappointed. You thought maybe with Ancelotti coming in, the fact that mm. Klopp's made no secret of the idea that he's not taking this competition too seriously, this would have been a great opportunity for them to get sort of a morale-boosting win that would really sort of lift the whole club, lift the players, get the... I know the fans are already buzzing about Ancelotti anyway, but he'd yeah. become a hero almost instantly if he gets to win against Liverpool at Anfield. But yeah, it wasn't to be, and you know the Liverpool juggernaut just keeps going, doesn't it? It's just non-stop. Yeah, it does seem that way. And does that kind of emphasise to Carlo Ancelotti, perhaps, Jack, if it wasn't hammered home already, how much of a job he's got on his hands at Everton at this moment in time? I think it would have taken a couple of games for him to get into his stride anyway, and not really an easy start in a Merseyside derby, of course, but... I think it's probably a tougher job for him than maybe some people would have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, he would have done his homework and he'd have known what a big job it was. But I'm watching that on Sunday afternoon, it was just the second half was horrendous. And you're like, you look, I had a little look at Twitter after it, and Everton fans are just going completely ballistic. Don't I think mean, that is the kind of, I think it's the worst they've felt going away to Anfield over the years. I don't know how long it is since since they've won there, but two, I think two of the lads who played for Liverpool weren't even born the last time Everton won at Anfield. Yeah. That's how mm. long it is. Mm. And there are so, just so many gaps in the squad. I mean, you look at the midfield and Schneiderlin, he was coming up against two two kids and couldn't control the game. It was almost they, can't, being, they, they don't score enough goals. Mm, it was almost being completely bypassed as well, midfield. It seemed like every time the ball went back to Mina, it was going straight up to Calvert-Lewin or straight up to whoever Richarlison could get there, whoever could get their head on the end of it. It almost felt like when, when Delph came on, he had a few more touches of the ball for Everton, but it just felt like there was just no transition from from back to front it was just almost a complete recycle from from the back straight forward and there was no one in midfield who could create anything at all and when Theo Walcott's the one you're trying to hit yeah then <laughs> it makes it tricky doesn't it yeah. it was I mean it's interesting watching it in the last 10 minutes like kind of Mina's going absolutely mental and quite outwardly moaning at other his kind of teammates mm. which you'd say well that's quite good that they're showing passion and whatever but it did look completely rudderless and no one's mm. taking yeah. taking charge of it at all yeah, I would agree. And, and Pete, recently I've described, particularly after the last Merseyside derby where Liverpool comprehensively won, I said the derby has become more like Barcelona versus Espanyol <laughs> than a derby we'd expect yeah. to, to see in the Premier League, because it really has, in my opinion. And that's I don't want to disrespect Everton, because I love Everton as a, a football club, traditional top club, in my opinion. But in terms of the derby, I just don't get excited about Merseyside derby anymore. It's not. It's always competitive, but it's it's always the same outcome. It's I think what well, it's four wins in a, in a row for Liverpool over Everton for the first time since 1936. And yeah. um, it isn't it isn't a contest really when when these two meet. And Liverpool, it, it it's it's different when another when the team like Liverpool have got another rivalry like they have with United to fo- to focus on. Like you ask a lot of Liverpool fans, and they would always say United over, United is a bigger rivalry than Everton because of the 
success of both of the clubs. So if you've got another uh, uh, another derby, so to speak, yeah. uh, then you can put, sort of put that on the back burner. But yeah, you, I think you're right. That's, that's a good comparison, actually. It's just Everton are nowhere near the force, force they were. Um, they get up for it more potentially than Liverpool do because they've got so much, so many other things to focus on. It should have been more of a contest with the team that Liverpool put out, though. With the youth team, effectively, the young players mm-hmm. coming through. You know, Curtis Jones, who's got a great goal, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it should have been more of a contest. It was Everton's Premier League first eleven, effectively, yeah. against Liverpool's youngsters. It was, but I mean, no matter who Liverpool play at the moment, the the the, the momentum that they've got, there is there doesn't seem to any any stopping them at the minute. What they need is a break. You need we need Liverpool. Like people are saying, like this 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 fixture pile up. You know, they're going to get tired and stuff. It's, no, they're just turning up and winning. They're not thinking about it. They're just turning up and winning and winning and winning game after game. What what people need is them to have a break, go go home and let let, it, let the pressure start to get to them, and let, yeah. let them think about the actual the consequences of of losing a game, uh, and then things might change. But it doesn't matter who they play at the moment because yeah. they, they just you, you can't stop them. And and youngsters are, are looking at the at the first team and going, I want to match that, and they have a benchmark to uh, you know every day in training, everybody is so buoyant because of think way things are going, it's going to rub off on everyone and. Mm. Uh, Liverpool squad is, is is certainly better than I thought it was. It was I don't really buy into yeah. the fixture pile up stuff. No, I don't either. Just because, don't don't train. Well, they're only one game behind in the Premier League, and they're not in the Carabao Cup. So they're playing the same games as everyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they had some warm weather training as well, didn't they? And they'll probably get another one in February. Yeah. Well, there's this winter break in February where it's actually just a week off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like where an international break <laughs> might have been. We get it as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah. So that's what's happening. Um, what about the, the young players? I said seamless at the top of the show. It certainly felt like that. They came in and maybe in the first half there was a bit of nerves and time that they needed to settle down. But second half, they just it was almost like they've been doing it for years. Yeah. The, all Liverpool fans talk about Harvey Elliott as the, as the one because he's 16, I think, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jones is incredible player he kind of ran the game second half and the goal was brilliant and going back to Schneiderlin it was watching the goal back Schneiderlin's like on his backside moaning about <laughs> and a little knock and then Jones is quite happily shifting it and sticking it in the top corner there was mm. a few of them I thought well they all did well the right back looked good Williams uh, and the other the other fellow next to Jones in midfield was quite tidy as well um, and then they got I mean Rian Brewster only got 10 minutes and yeah. he's supposed yeah. to be he was supposed to be the the, the one we were thing, bringing yeah. through. So yeah, I mean, he's had an ankle injury, I think. So uh, he's just sort of coming back to to full speed. They also handed a debut J to uh, Minamino, who's the the Japanese player they signed from uh, from Salzburg at the start of the month. He it didn't seem that everything came off for him really. The ball just kind of wasn't falling for him in the right spot. I guess you could say it just wasn't really falling favourably for him. It kind of felt that like he was a little bit nervous on on his Liverpool debut. I mean, it's a big game to throw a, a new player into, isn't it? Um, yeah, I always think back to, I'm sure Peter remember this, Patrice Evers' debut for United. Yeah, yeah. He had an absolute <laughs> stinker yeah. against City, but it yeah. was City. I think it was away at City. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, um, and he got hauled at 45 minutes, and I remember saying, I've seen him for Monaco, and he looked yeah. decent, but he yeah. looks shocking. What, what have we done yeah. buying him? Yeah. <laughs> He's not the answer to our left-back problem. Yeah. Um, so you're throwing in a, a new signing in a derby um, against a very... Not a strong Everton team, but Everton's strongest team. So it's essentially <laughs> yeah, yeah. a Premier League standard team. Sure. Yeah, um, they're two very different things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do feel for him a little bit in the sense that you can't really judge someone on too much on what 70 minutes on a debut in a in a Merseyside derby. I'm sure, you know, they'll have done the, the scouting and he was highly rated. So I'm I wouldn't look too much into that if I was a Liverpool fan thinking, oh, what have we got here? Mm. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, some players it's just it's, you're throwing them in at the deep end. Yeah. Um, and the sort of the 
the thing that sort of stands out for me in this game again, like you've all mentioned, is just how much work Everton have got to do, how much work Ancelotti's got to do. Yeah. Because you're looking at this this team that he's put out there and he experienced players, players that cost a lot of money. Many mm. players that he'll be thinking, I could maybe build a team around some of these players and they're just not, not up to it. I know they were a little bit unlucky at times, but you know, you expect more um from some of these players and I think he's got a massive job on his hands there. I don't think that's any secret, is it? Because when you're looking in and, and Liverpool can not only afford to to play a lot of youngsters, but make changes as well during the mm. game, it's just like you know, just highlights the difference in the two clubs, the sort of the gulf that is yeah. there. And as Pete mentioned, you know, four wins on the trot mm. could be another four at this rate if, if Everton don't get the right together. Well, the sporting director at Everton is Marcel Brands, and I think he's he's highly regarded by mm. a lot of people around those parts. But if you look at the Everton squad, I've just got it in front of me now. There's a lot of players where you're going, there's loads. You're kind of then... shrugging your shoulders and going, well, I, I don't and, really know. And about then that. there's another layer underneath the Czech Tossens and people like that yeah. who are like, it's just yeah. not, it's just not worked. There's, there's, lot, there's, there's many players that they've signed who, who came in good reputations, who, who've done well elsewhere, and there's loads that's just not worked. Um, they've signed the wrong players at the wrong time, wrong position, strength and positions didn't need to strengthen. Um, you'd think with that transfer system that they've got in place that they would have got more things right than they have. And, and it, it's, it could be a, a really big rebuilding job there. It's another, it's another cycle of spending money, isn't it? Yeah. How, like they've done it with two or three managers now, and they've spent like loads and loads of money. Well, and they're just going to have to yeah. throw another kind of two hundred million at it. Well, Ancelotti's going to be well, he is one of the <laughs> highest paid managers in the world now yeah. after taking this contract. They've got a new stadium on the horizon. I mean, unless they've got a bottomless pit, they're going to have to really temper their spending to make sure they're a bit more astute in the transfer market, whether that's this January or in the summer. They're going to need to start thinking about making better signings. Well, there's potentially more investment coming in, isn't there, from the the guy who's just sold his shares at Arsenal. Um, has, has said that he wants to reinvest it into another Premier League club and Everton, and, and there's talk that Everton are that one. So, but is that is more money going to solve the problem? It's not solved it in the last three transfer windows. So, what will it will it do again? But I mean, just looking at some of these players, I mean, you mentioned Schneidlin, Jack, just average at best. Sidibe not having him, even though he's on loan from Monaco, had a good game against Burnley. Not very good in my opinion. I mean, I just look at some of these. Luca Dean, I think, is one of the most overrated players in the league. Personally, uh, Yerry mm-hmm. Mina, I think, is all right. But that's all he is. Michael Keane's all Michael right. Michael Keane, they're all all right players. And like you say, then you've got Jenk Tosin and Umar Nias and yeah. some of these players. You're thinking, oh, really? I know, but then the the reduced to the manager talking Calvert Lewin up as potentially one of the best strikers in Europe. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's where they are now. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the options they've got up front. I mean, no, they haven't. I mean, we talk about Manchester United not replacing Lukaku. Everton haven't replaced Lukaku from when they sold him to United three years ago. No, they've got a lot of sort of six out of ten players, haven't they? Really, and. You know, Richarlison is a good player on his day, but how often is his day? Calvert Lewin's having a good season, but again, you know, like you just mentioned there, is he yeah. is he that good? We don't know yet. He might be. He's only a young lad. He's 22, 23. Mm. So he might go and, you know, bang in 20 goals next season or maybe this season. But, but it's a big ass. Walcott and Schneiderlin. Passed it. You know, the, well, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, so, I don't even think Schneiderlin so ever got it. Now. As a United fan, I remember him coming to United and I had high hopes for him. I, but I, him I, so, I did, yeah. yeah, and he just, he was, a, he was a bit of a nothing player, if I'm being honest. He didn't really do a lot. And he's gone to Everton and from the Everton fans I spoke to, he's not really done much there as well. No. So and The Everton just, fans disappointed as well with Sigurdsson this season as well. He's, he's not he, been great, Gilfie Sigurdsson. And he, he, that's a prime example of not spending money well. If you're going to spend 50 million quid on a player, yeah. If you're Everton, no disrespect to them, you'd expect that player to be someone that you can maybe build your team around or that's going to provide you a lot. And Sigurdsson, I don't think he has. I don't think he's lived up to that 
prize well, he, in area. He, he can, he, he's never replicated what he did at Swansea yeah. anywhere, really, because he went, he went to Tottenham, then had to go back again to Swansea after after a month, Spurs wasted money on him, and then. But to, I, at the time when they signed him, I thought it's, it's a good sign, and he has done well in patches. Uh, but fifty million, you know, is, is a lot. Is, is top whack, isn't it? So you'd expect, yeah, you'd expect a bit more consistency. Is the is the thing you would expect for fifty million? I might be wrong, but I'm around thinking that Everton are like some of the third biggest spenders in the league or something like that. They're uh, up there, aren't they? I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if that was. Yeah, similar. I think they are quite high. They're a lot higher yeah. than the league position. Put it that way. I mean, how much they've spent, but as we've all mentioned, there's just been similar to United. There's not been a strategy there. It's been throwing money at it and hoping some of it sticks. They've got a quite a big squad, though. They should be able to, you know, you talk about Andre Gomez, you'd then want someone like Tom Davis to step up. Mm. And the players beneath yeah. those haven't haven't kind of staked their claim, have they, at all? As you, it's, as you said before, they're all kind of six out. Six I, th- out well, I thought I thought Delph was, was, was a decent sign at the start of the season, but again... He's never fit, isn't he? He's, he's no. Delph's too... He's never fit and he's, never, two he's, games not played, missed one. he's not played centre midfield for... Three years. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's a left back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's at least, I mean, at least in Delve, you think, all right, you've got a player that's been at a club where there's been success and he'd be up for it and he, he seems to have the sort of right attitude, but you need more than that. I mean, Everton, it's amazing because you mentioned all those players they bought and yet we're already talking about they need another overall. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. <laughs> isn't know, it, really? Four months after the last one. Maybe yeah. questions should be asked there. Liverpool won Everton nil in the FA Cup third round. Liverpool in the hat for the next stage of the competition. <laughs> Crystal Palace, meanwhile, won't be. They were dumped out 1 0 by championship side Derby County but the result of this game isn't really what the main talking point was the main talking point was the fact that the referee Michael Oliver became the first ref to use the pitch side VAR monitor after Derby's Tom Huddleston and Crystal Palace's Luka Milivojevic had a bit of a clash in the middle of the pitch it was something out of nothing it escalated (laughs) very very quickly Mm. Um, I think Milivojevic just sort of nudged into Huddleston's back and Huddleston turned round Milivojevic hit the ground like a sack of spuds then there was a kick out and a bit of shirt pulling and then Milivojevic appeared to sort of put the top of his head into into the derby player's chin Um, and then the referee decided to go over to the pitch side monitor um, to change his decision which was originally a yellow card to both players to then upgrade Milivojevic's yellow card to a red so he got sent off now, it's the first time we've seen this, mm. Pete, in, in English football since VAR's become commonplace. What do you make of the whole situation? I don't know. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. And, and if Michael Oliver has taken it upon himself to go, well, actually, I'm going to go and have a look at the screen or whether there's been some directive from above. Hopefully, hopefully there has been some directive above because it's been one of the many frustrating things about VAR this season that we have these screens at the side of the pitch that every other league, every other league in Europe is using, but the, but no one's looking at them apart from angry sure. managers. So hope, hopefully more of the same. Um, whether it was the right call or not <laughs> is, a, is a tough one, but this is, this, is the, this is the issue you have with VAR. It's just adding more opinions, isn't it? But... It's 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 nice that if Michael Oliver has taken it upon himself to say, look, I'm not I'm not sure about this. I need another look. Then yes, I'm glad he's done that, uh, and hopefully you get more of the same. Um, and ho- well, hopefully, hopefully he's been told to. Hopefully he's been told to do it. Hopefully there's been some directive from above. But whether there has or not, I don't think so. Well, yeah, I think it was sort of mooted that there was no comment from the FA to tell referees during this third round of FA Cup games to yeah. go and use the pitch side monitors. Of course. Only at Premier League grounds is the VAR available. So, I mean, what what does what does that mean for the integrity of the competition? Is that fair? Do you, do you remember this last season when City played Swansea? Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. yeah it was. Uh, was it Dan James was involved in something? I might be misremembering it because he's United player now. But um, the summer went on where it was like calling for VAR and there wasn't any because it was at Swansea's ground. 
Um, I think Aguero. It was offside. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Aguero. Sorry, I'm getting that wrong. Yeah, it was Aguero offside. You're right. Um, so yeah, it does make a bit of a, a mockery. I just think the whole VAR thing is so confusing. Yeah. Because we had the um, struggling to remember the game. The incident the other day where it might have been City again, where the flag went up and the whistle went, but they were checking something that happened after the whistle had gone. Mm. So. And I just don't get that as a player. Well, where, what do you do? Do you know what I mean? Do you play the whistle or when the whistle goes and then you kick the ball away, you're going to get a yellow card for kicking the ball away. It just doesn't make any sense. And this, again, is a bit of a shambles. It's a bit confusing. I think you need to get some consistency in it. I think going to the monitor makes a little bit of sense because at least then you can see as a fan what's going on. And after it happened to us in Paris, I was all praising VAR mm. oh, yeah. when the ref went over to the monitor yeah. and, he, yeah. and he came to the right decision. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> You know, as a fan in the ground, VAR is just horrible. It is. It's just you stood around waiting. You don't know what's going on. It's all very confusing. And for me, the sort of the, the main detriment to it is the fact that I don't always feel like I'm celebrating our goals like yeah, I were yeah. because I'm I'm sort of half part of me thinking I'm going to make an idiot of myself because I'm waiting <laughs> for this VAR decision to, to yeah. overrule it. I've said this on this show so many times, but it'll be the the football fans that are really young now that in 20 years we'll understand the game in a different way to what we do because we've mm. we've been used to celebrating goals in the way we... So it's been such a massive change from the end of one season to the start of the next. Things have been completely flipped on their head and I think that's probably why we're kind of not so... Well, I'm personally not so fond of VAR. I've said that for years, but you know I think that maybe in 20 years it's the kids of today that will be mm. the ones that kind of know how to sort of deal with being in a football ground when a goal goes in. Maybe mm. they'll we'll celebrate goals in a different way. Well, the, di- well, the difference with football is that they are these are match proper match defining things in like goals or penalties or whatever and people are celebrating you look at it in cricket where it obviously works really well with the tv reviews or the hawkeye or whatever it does it impacts the result but not quite as heavily as it does in football mm-hmm. so people can kind of put up with, and you're not you're not celebrating taking a wicket as much as you are scoring a goal which makes it easier to kind of comprehend as a fan in the in the ground, I think. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I always remember um, Moeen Ali for England was on a hat trick against South Africa. Uh, and they needed, England needed one wicket to win the test match. This was a few summers ago. And um, the umpire gave the South Africa batsman out LBW, put his finger up, the crowd goes crazy, and then the batsman immediately reviews it. So you're kind of like holding on again. And then that second celebration of, oh yeah, he is actually out, I've got a hat trick and we've won the match is kind of completely toned down because that initial celebration has been taken away. So I can kind of understand both sides of the story. The interesting thing is, I think what you said, Pete, is that you know we're not even talking about whether it was the right decision or not. It's just a, mm. oh my God, he's used the screen. Stunned surprise for everyone. I, I spend most of, my, most of my working day trying to avoid talking about VAR if I, mm. if I can. So if we're talking about somebody looking at a screen instead, then I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy about that because... Every viewpoint has been has been put across about VAR, and, and people are getting angrier and angrier about it. So, it's it's at least there's something different, <laughs> something different happening. And and the next step is is potentially bringing this daylight rule back in for for offside, which I I should have been obvious. It should have been there from the start for me. Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, uh, just a, a quick one to end. Um, are we putting too much pressure on trying to get 100% accurate decisions? Because it's never going to be possible in game football to get 100% referee accuracy. Well, even with the daylight rule, you're still going to have millimetres between him there being daylight <laughs> or not. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's going to be exactly the same thing, but kind of slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, it's no, just, no. I don't know. It's going to be impossible to get 100% accuracy, which is why I think the whole point that the monitor was there was so referees can have a look again. Whereas what used to be the point was the referee has 
in that moment to make the decision. And then if he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong. Whereas he's got the the second chance to go and yeah. have a look and, and sort of redefine what he thinks is the right decision. I did this I did this thing with Howard Webb in the summer and he was saying that um, the issue is is that referees, when they feel like they go over to the screen, they feel like they have to make the decision that the VAR wants them to do because otherwise, he said, you will, he said he's tried to tell referees, because he's head of referees in America, he's tried to tell referees, just go over and then make your own decision. But he's saying they're going over and they don't want to come back and say, oh, you know, as you were kind of thing. If they're going over, making all that effort to go on over, look at the screen, and there's a guy in their ear saying, I think you've got it wrong. He said 99 times out of 100, they're coming back and going, oh, yeah, okay, I have. But because they've gone over and looked at the screen, so it adds that different layer into it. It's just that once the referee goes over, he's not going to, is he then going to look at it and go, actually, I disagree with three of you looking at it in a, mm. in a, in a screen in Stockley Park. Peter Crouch on telly called the referee Michael Oliver brave. I think that's an interesting, interesting take. <laughs> Depends on your definition of brave. Brave man. <laughs> Walks over to a screen. Uh, yeah. It's not quite, uh, you know, the classic sense of bravery, but, it, you know, there, there are different um, shades, shall we say, different <laughs> um, levels of bravery. Listen, you know, he, he's gone over there, he's looked at it, he's made his decision, he stood by it, that's that's fair enough. I think if we are implementing that as a rule, that the referee can go over, then you, you want him to do that, and he's done it. I just think there's so many issues with this this season they need mm. to iron them out quickly which I was saying I don't know if it is you know like everyone's saying oh daylight is a good idea with the offside thing but then that could throw up something I saw someone else saying a time limit on the decisions give them 30 seconds but then you can have people panicking yeah. because they've only got 30 oh, seconds yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, he's offside <laughs> and then you'll get someone reanalyze it and going oh they've got it wrong VAR's yeah. a shambles so it is really difficult there's teething problems you just wonder where you get to the breaking point where all these teething problems if it gets sorted out and people are willing to stomach it or people go, do you know what? This is beyond repair. This just get rid of it and just go back to shouting at referees. I the Michael Oliver thing gave a sense of accountability in him going over and looking at it. Yeah. Because at least everyone on the ground knows who to shout at. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah. I know you're right, yeah. I don't know, yeah, it's like you were saying, Peter, I don't know if that's an advantage or a disadvantage because mm. I think sometimes when it's not the ref, the ref can go, look, VA has made the decision yeah. to the players at least. Not nothing to do with me. Yeah, Dave, mate, that's my decision. No one's just shouting at me. I can't change it. Yeah. Where if it's the ref gone off the screen, you can blame him still. So if you think he's got it wrong, you can still be yeah. sort of kicking off. Yeah. So again, it's just there's no happy solution to no, this. No. To be honest with you, because, you know what I mean. It's like I'm just for every argument. There's a counter argument. I'm just finding it quite amusing. Like the 30 second timer. Is well, this is what I saw suggested. This is like, my idea. Like, like, like mastermind. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, time's up. <laughs> it's like, but it's like anything it? when you know you've only got a certain amount of time to do it, you start panicking, don't oh, you? Yeah. Proper, proper counting yeah. style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you can have one of them clocks on the ground. Yeah. It's like the guy, from, yeah. the guy from Mastermind on the tunnel. You've, yeah. I've started. To so, yeah, <laughs> this is what I mean. So any any suggestion is fraught with um, with problems, and I just you know smarter men than me can work that one out. <sighs> when you go when you go to a game now as a journalist, you just praying praying that you just don't get these decisions because that you have to, unfortunately you have to focus on these decisions every every time they happen i was very tempted to mute the words var and controversy it's, on twitter yeah. recently yeah. it is sad though as well because the thing about being in the ground as a fan really gets to me but also like you know when you look back at games like city tottenham last year you don't remember the goals that spurs scored or what went mm. on you just remember that disallowed goal from yeah. sterling don't you that's the thing you remember and it almost yeah. negates or undermines what the, yeah. the players have achieved in getting what was a pretty amazing result to go through against a very strong Man City side. You just mm. remember all the, the celebrations and then how it was disallowed and Pep's reaction. So, yeah, it's not, you know, it's spoiling the sort of memories that we're creating. The thing the Premier League was saying over the summer, because Neil Swarbrick did like a tour of mm. the UK telling us all how it was going to work. Mm. The reason they don't go to the monitors 
is because they decided that they are a team and the guys, the VAR officials, are Premier League referees. Hmm. So, like, yesterday, uh, on Saturday, I was at City, and I think Mike Dean was the VAR official. So the reason for not going to the screens is because they trust their colleagues. Hmm. Whereas when we say, oh, VAR are checking it, it's like this kind of computer, but it's actually a proper fully-fledged Premier League referee making mm. a decision. But that, that's fascinating, though, because if you look at... I mean, people do these breakdowns, percentage breakdowns. I think John Moss had the highest percentage of right decisions in the Premier League last mm. season, which means he's a better referee than whoever was at the bottom of the list. Mm. Well, so, so, you know, they're not all equal in, in that sense. You know, they say they're all a team. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe we're just sort of have rolled cynic glasses, but I don't remember it being that bad. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember being that many decisions that were that wrong that we had to have this massive overhaul. All those decisions over Christmas, all the offside decisions, if they are, if they're all awarded as goals without VAR, I don't think anyone's really complaining, are they? No, no. You don't That's see them. I mean. You it's can't not like, see, it's you can't outrageous. See them. Like this is so bad. VAR. We need to completely change it. And the pr- thing is, what sometimes not annoys me, but you have to sort of clear it up. Is people go, "Well, look at goal line technology," but it's so different because it's black it is, and white. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. no grey area of goal line technology. And it's, even then, it took Frank Lampard's goal, uh, goal, non-goal in the World Cup uh, for that to be exactly. I was at that game. VARs for. I was at the other end of the ground, and even I could see it went over the line. By the way, well, were you at the game when Roy Carroll crawled on back? Yeah, that never went over the line. I don't know what you're on about. Great save by Roy Carroll to scoop that back. Did yeah? I remember that scamper back, netting in his hair. He was that far in the back of the goal. I'm sure he's gonna get tangled at one point. I'm sure his arm doubled in length when he tried to ramble back over the line. Anyway, we'll leave VAR there for the time being. Um, Jay mentioned fans in the stands. There were 8,000 loud Port Vale supporters at the Etihad Stadium. They all made the trip from the Potteries to watch their side of League Two take on the treble winners of last season, the FA Cup holders and current Premier League champions, Manchester City. Pep Guardiola did decide to uh, give a couple of youngsters a game. Phil Foden, who is obviously well-known to everyone now, but Taylor Harwood-Bellis might not be as well-known. And by all accounts, at the back, he had a pretty decent game and even got himself on the score sheet in the end, Jack. Yeah, it was, well, the goal was strange because John Stones uh, looked like he was going to volley it in and he just hit Harwood-Bellis on the line. And everyone thought it was offside. Sorry, we're going to talk about VAR again. <laughs> everyone thought it was offside. <laughs> it's and been a Bellis, while. <laughs> Bellis just like stood there and thought he was offside. They didn't celebrate and mm. then they've checked it. And they've got back to the halfway line, and he he then starts celebrating and started punching the ground because he was so like delighted. Pumped, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. that was quite a nice moment. But he's, I really like him. He's quite old fashioned. Sure, he likes to tackle, likes to get stuck in. Um, he was up against Tom Pope, who uh, likes to put himself about, <laughs> like quite a lot. <laughs> just a bit. Um, yeah, he took a bit of a battering ram. Um, yeah, Harwood, they they like Howard Bellis and they've got Eric Garcia, who's a young Spaniard who's played mm. really well as well. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I, I was on, um, I went on tour in the summer with City uh, to Asia. You got there in the end then? You went stuck yeah, for Yeah, I beat days. them there actually. Did you get there? Yeah, before? I beat them there, yeah. yeah. Um, and during one of the sessions, I kind of, I make a point over the summer of always asking whoever I'm watching the session with at City to say like, who were the youngsters that we should be looking for this year? Mm. He said, ah, well, no, I'm not, not sure. And then they pointed at two, and the one was Howard Bellis, and the other one was Tommy Doyle, the sure. midfielder. And both played yesterday. Yeah, and so they obviously knew in July who were the who the ones were going to get their get their chance. And mm. Howard, yeah, I think Howard Bellis is is a real prospect. Cause he's only 17, um, and he's filled out properly already. 
And they, yeah, he's uh, he's good on the ball as well. So yeah, I mean they've got uh, is it Felipe Sandler out on loan as well? So they've got another option at centre back yeah. if they if they need it. Another younger player mm. coming back. Um, I mean everyone talks about this Vincent company. They didn't replace him and all this stuff. Um, do you think that the City fans can be confident in in those young players that are coming through? Because we haven't seen too many of them being sort of perpetuated into the team by by Guardiola over the last few years. Obviously with the pressure being so high, but. Can City fans be comfortable in knowing that they are producing the quality through the academy? Yeah, they are producing. It's interesting with City because they spend quite a lot of money on foreign youngsters. Mm -hmm. So they'll kind of get them in when they're like 15, 16, maybe even younger. And it's always the ones that have been at the academy since the age of seven, eight that are coming through. Mm. So like Foden, obviously there since he was eight. Howard Bell is the same. Doyle the same. And the guys are actually spending money on, which would be like 400, 500, 600,000 pounds. Yeah, which is a lot really. Yeah, a hell of a lot. They're then getting sold when they're like 19, 20, 21. But they're making good money on them, though, aren't they? They are, yeah. But the, those, the ones that they actually get through to the first team are all like the local lads, mm. which I think says says a lot for the for the coaching in the academy. They're obviously mm. doing quite a good job. Mm. Yeah, no, that's good. No, that's good to see. Um, you mentioned Tom Pope. He scored the equaliser after Zinchenko gave Manchester City the lead. He tweeted Jay um, that six months ago, saying that he would love to play against John Stones. Uh, every game of the season, he'd score 40 goals a season and he doesn't know how he's on 150k a week. Well, he kind of prophesized his own his own future there by scoring a header to make it 1-1. So what do you make of that whole well, he, he doubled down on it, didn't he? He said, I said, I said 40 goals a season. I was wrong. Mm. It, it would be 50 goals a season, which, you know, was like I thought was pretty funny. But his subsequent tweet, not so funny, yeah, not so if funny. we're going to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we can't ignore it. Yeah, he said something that was, you know... Yeah. been investigated mm. so he spoiled that one for himself he certainly has yeah, yeah. I mean, great, but, great moment for him to score so we'll talk, we should talk about that first great yeah. moment for him in front of 8,000 Vale fans travelling against the, the FA Cup holders so, I mean, you know and, and he's 34 years old he's a Port Vale fan so a good moment for him personally sometimes I don't want to be dismissive of Port Vale but you have to be realistic you look at I'm just looking at City's bench here I've got it in front of me Walker, Sterling Gabriel Jesus Mares on the bench I mean mm. you know and Scott Carson. I, I don't want to be sort of demeaning of here, but yeah, getting a goal against City is an achievement. And this City side, you know, even if it is a sort of makeshift City side, the chances of beating him or even getting a draw and getting a replay are almost non-existent, if we're mm. being honest. So that's a moment for him. It's a moment for them Port Vale fans to celebrate. It's a great moment, to be honest with you. And it's something they can look back up, back out with fondness, even though it is on the back of a, a 4-1 yeah, loss. You know. I, I don't think 4-1 is that bad a result. For a side in I mean, listen, I've seen United lose six one at Old Trafford to City, so I'm five one at Main Road. So I'm not saying anything. Yeah, I'm a Portsmouth fan. We're in the next round of the, of the competition. I'm dreading getting drawn against Manchester City because we would get a tonking at least six or seven at least. What about Pope's subsequent tweet? I won't say what it was. Uh, it's been recently deleted as well. He tweeted something uh, of sort of a political and geopolitical nature, which is currently under investigation by the FA. And we kind of mentioned it before we came on onto the podcast, Pete, that it kind of feels a bit like a League Two footballer who's, you know, enjoyed all this attention. He's kind mm. of tweeted something funny. He's tweeted something funny again. And then all of a sudden he tweets something and goes a bit over the top. Yeah, we were looking back through his previous tweets as well. He's he's he's, <laughs> he's, he's not gone quite as far as he has in the last in the in the last twenty four hours, but he's uh he, he's been one for uh, for an argument, uh, <laughs> shall we say, on, yeah. on on Twitter, especially political debate. Yes. Um. So yeah, he's he has got a bit of previous there, but yeah, he's 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 got far too carried away, um, with with his social media presence, I think, and um, I I, I actually, I mean, we're not going to sound like a bit of a 
grumpy old man, but I didn't like the whole thing anyway. Like he's you know, it's he he's singling out John Stones and all right, if he'd scored a hat trick in Portville one three one, then yeah, you know, but he scored one goal and lost four one. Then I I well, I, I am sounding like a grumpy old man, aren't I? But yeah, I, I didn't like the I whole thing. I do get what you're saying. Well, he, he admitted it's in the papers on Monday. He admitted that he couldn't get near Stones. Yeah, he said I got no got nowhere near him. Mm. He's just way too good. Yeah, no, no. I think I think it's it's just a case of him getting a bit big for his boots on Twitter. I think I think it was so ridiculous as well that it was almost like you know I'd score forty goals a season. Yeah, well, yeah. obviously he wouldn't. No, no. Can't you can play tell the it's Premier tongue, League. It's that it's silly, yeah. tongue in that, cheek. Yeah, that you? daft. If yeah. it had been like, say, you know, Rashford had tweeted that, then you'd be like, hang on a minute. You know what I mean? Is yeah. there any need for it? But I thought because it was a you know Port Vale player, you just thought, oh yeah, I'm you know I'm what. City didn't take too kindly to it though. Did they not? Stones completely ignored because they all got invited into the dressing room after the Port Vale players mm. went into the city dressing room, right? And Stones ignored him, and the vast majority of the squad like refused to talk to him. Yeah. Really? It was Mendy, Mendy, and Zinchenko were the only ones that went over. Well, supposedly, oh, yeah. right. Men- tweeted about Mendy. Didn't Mendy, he? yeah, was saying that you know they've been giving Stones sort of a bit of stick for months over it, saying you know Port Vale <laughs> players kind of taking the Mickey out of you. Um, but yeah, like you said, I don't think it was taken too well whatsoever in that Manchester City dressing room. I guess the last laugh did go, did go to City, beating a League Two yeah. side. Never thought you'd see the day, didn't it? Port Vale and City players aren't yeah. talking to each other because of a tweet. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> yeah. Times have changed. A new eh? rivalry. I, the looking glass. I even saw. Yeah. I even saw someone go. Uh, actually, twenty years ago in '99, we beat you in League One. <laughs> I saw someone go that far. So I was like, yeah, that's enough Twitter for tonight. I think uh, time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. But stick around because afterwards we'll be talking about Watford and their game against League One Tranmere Rovers. Fulham and Aston Villa in an interesting clash. Leicester through to the next round. And Manchester United nil, Wolves nil. What a game. This is Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your only daily Premier League podcast, so make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and the next episode will drop straight into your inbox. Follow us on Twitter as well, at The Sports Social. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. We'll be talking about FA Cup action. And next up, we'll be discussing Watford, their bottom of the Premier League as things stand. New manager in place in Nigel Pearson, and he would have been delighted when he saw his side roar into a three-goal advantage but end up throwing it away as Paul Mullin ensured that Tranmere Rovers came back to level things at 3-3 and bagged themselves a replay on the Wirral. Watford threw away the lead, Pete, but um, how damaging to, to their confidence will that be? Well, their confidence was high coming into the game, having having won three of the last four uh, unbeaten under Nigel Pearson. Sure. Um, and then 3-0 up, Nigel Pearson's got both hands on the back of his head, feet up, going, oh, this is, this is easy, isn't it? Why, why, why did it take me so long to get back in the game? And then bang! All of a sudden, three three. Um, that yes, that could that that could that could really hit them. But because things have been going so well previously in, in the league, I think they'll, especially if they go through in the replay, then they can they can put that to the back of the minds. It's a shame that Mike Dean was at Stockley Park, wasn't it? He would have loved to have been there <laughs> in the crowd. Tranmere's biggest fan is the uh, Mike Dean, so he he would have been he'd have been on the on the roof with, with, yeah. with his shirt off, in the his highest shirt place possible, making yeah, yeah. the biggest atten- drawing the most attention to himself <laughs> as he possibly yeah. could. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no. N- Nigel Pearson um, was out of the game for a while, Jack. Wanting to be fair, I mean, is it is it easy to see why, or is you know, is is Pete got a point? Is he maybe thinking why was I not given a job sooner? He gets results, doesn't he? Mm. He, do, he people kind of forget that he did a really good job at Leicester before mm. before he actually left. Um, he's a bit he's a bit like Marmite. 
he's a bit marmite, isn't he? Nigel Pearson. There's a lot of people that don't like yeah. him. Sure. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the ostrich stuff. Is <laughs> Ian, <laughs> Ian, Ian Baker it. hates him, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? <laughs> you like, Ian, ba- Ian Baker's like followed Pearson around the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. He's I done know, two yeah. or three of the games. Yeah, well, it made him, didn't it? Put him on the map. Yeah. <laughs> but there, was, there was also the incident with Pearson's son, and, and then, yeah. you know, there was, yeah, yeah, there was yeah. a, a bit yeah. of a. You know, a, a criminal sort of side to things mm. as well there. So yeah, I think he's definitely that... he's got a, he's got an edge to him, and yeah. I think players players respond to that. I mean, you look at like someone like Troy Deeney, definitely going to respond to that sort of yeah. management. I think, sure. isn't he? And mm. Watford will have a few few others in in the dressing room that will. Um, I think it's quite a shrewd appointment because um, mm. he is the sort of person that will be able to get short term results. Whether well. No one's ever long term at Watford, are they? so you wouldn't no. ex- you wouldn't expect to see him there in twenty twenty one. I think he I knows think. that as well. I mean, yeah. he, he will have been told that he knows what he's getting into. Keep um, us up, mate. That's his yeah, job, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he, he he may well do it. There's some good players there as well. Like he, he, there's they they were underperforming massively. Um, I dare say they could do without a replay against Tranmere. Um, yeah, but do, I mean, can you see them pulling themselves out of the mire in the Premier League? To be fair, or <sighs> before he came in, no, um, but. He's got them playing, and they, like I said, there is some there is some really good players there. And, and if you can keep the big players fit, the Cabaselli's people like that, then they've got every chance. What about January? How important is that going to be for them? Do you think is the money to spend? Um, Jan- January is so difficult for t- for teams. Yes. Like there, there are if there's a particular area that they need to strengthen, um, you would have. You, it's always it's always strikers, isn't it? It's always people <laughs> say, right, yeah, yeah, but this team needs <laughs> a striker. A this team yeah. needs a striker. Yeah. 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 Um, but Troy Deeney's back fit, and the Watford are a different team when Troy Deeney's back fit. So, mm. do they need? I don't think they need anything up there. So, if, if tried, haven't they in the past? But on, Andre Gray's been a complete disaster. Yeah, because yeah. I think they paid quite a lot of money for twenty Gray. million, wasn't it? Yeah. It's was about yeah. It's a strange. I thought that was a bit of a strange. I mean, I know twenty million in this day and age is massive amounts of money, but his mm. goal scoring record is, you know, he gets you two or three a season usually yeah, yeah. at top level. Which he had, he had half a good it. season at Burnley. Didn't yeah, he? and I just thought, is that really going to help you much? Apart mm. from Deeney, they don't really have a conventional nine, do they? Really, no. they don't. They don't. I can't think. But that's of why anyone. he makes it. That's why. That's why they've looked so good since he's come back. He makes. He makes the difference. I know it's an easy thing to say, but yeah. and he's um, he's more than just a, a striker yeah, for them. Yeah. You know about getting the cliche about, it, but he's like that sort of. Is <laughs> their leader? Yeah. Is that talisman? He's no, but you know against United, for example, I don't mean to keep bringing it back to United, but. He was the one that's sort of leading the players. He's, mm. He gets in, gets stuck in, and, and there's that you can see that belief when he's playing yeah. that isn't there when he's not playing. It's not just because he gets your goals; he'll probably score mm. about eight or nine goals a season. Mm. It's the fact that he's a, he's a leader of men. I think I think you've got away with that. There. Oh, I've I'm got away. With I was I was, <laughs> I, I was waiting for it. I, I was, oh, God, I'll tell you what. I was waiting. For, here. I was yeah. waiting for Pete to go. He's back from injury. It's like having a new <laughs> signing. There we go. That's a classic. Um, from one club in trouble in Watford to another in Aston Villa, they lost two one to Fulham. Harry Arter scored a great goal for Fulham. It has to be said. Um, but after losing two one, I just think, and someone said this on a on a radio phone in as well that I listened to. One of the Aston Villa fans rang up and said, I'm more inclined to remember an Aston Villa team that got to an FA Cup final and performed than one that staved off relegation in the Premier League for a season. I thought that was a really interesting mm. point. Silverware or staying above water I, in the Premier League? I mean, what what's the priority nowadays for clubs? Obviously, it's the finances of the Premier League, but for supporters, is it something different? I have this debate all the time with people, and I always go back to the, the point of um, West Ham when they were qualifying for the Europa League, they were playing a Cypriot team. Yeah, start the start of the season, not not in the middle of the season. Start of the season, and it was like a week before the start of the season. So they rested nine players for the start of the Premier League season and didn't qualify for the knockout rounds of the Europa League. <laughs> so why 
spend all the season before trying to get to European spot. <laughs> if, if I you agree. Then, it's just I, I I get that you don't that, that the Premier League is the priority. I get that, but the clubs have got a week off now. Yeah. So if fans would fans in general want to win things, that's that's the you know any football fan wants to see the team a trip to Wembley. Yeah. Um, see the team lift the trophy. Sure. Like I've get I get rest in a few. Um. And especially if if you like Liverpool and you've got inundated with brilliant youngsters who are itching to get a game, then yeah, fine, fair enough. But if you if you're not making wholesale wholesale changes, like we'll we'll talk about it later. But Leicester, for example, played a really strong team, won comfortably, yeah, and keep the momentum going. Uh, three wins in a row. I, I do you really need to make wholesale changes to prioritise one or two places in the Premier League? I don't want to be contrary, but Villa have got a semi final, yeah, in a few days, mm-hmm. so they're probably. Prioritising that, mm. I think actually, it's a fair at, enough look point. Look at the Villa, the Villa team actually that played on Saturday, not a bad side. No, 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 mm. no. It's not a bad side. And Fulham scored two very good goals. We have they to did, say yeah. they scored two very good goals. Surely you're the expert on this, Niall, about winning trophies over uh, getting uh, relegated. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you were waiting for that. You speak about this. You're w- sort of ignoring it. I wondered why you look so anxious <laughs> to get on the mic. Like, come on, Niall. People always ask me, right? Would you swap winning the FA Cup? For everything Portsmouth went through financially and dropping yeah. down the leagues, would you swap winning the FA Cup for that to have not happened? And I always say no, because it was one of the best days of my life. Mm. Watching my football club win the FA Cup, I, I mean, stopping United doing the treble that season was an achievement in itself. Don't bring me back to that game <laughs> Old Trafford. Yeah. Didn't we end up with Rio going in net for <laughs> five, goal, five yeah. seconds or something? I was like Groundhog Day, you guys trying to score. It was, it was ridiculous. I still don't know how you didn't score that day, to be honest. But no, I wouldn't swap that day. Mm. And we, you know, Portsmouth got to the final in 2010. We lost to Chelsea. Didier Drogba scored a free kick. We got relegated that season. But beating Spurs in the semi was, again, one of the best Portsmouth Mm. games I've ever been to, Um, despite all the things that were going on off the pitch. So, no, I I think people say about the magic of the cup and it doesn't mean the same thing. Trust me, when you get to Wembley for that semi-final, it will mean a lot more than you think. And I think Mm. that's what a lot of football fans perhaps don't understand I mean, you look at the likes of Aston Villa. Of course, they went to Wembley for the for the playoffs, but it's not the same as being in in a cup final or a cup yeah. semi final. I think Villa in this in this case is probably a bad example because Jack's right; they have got that yeah. semi final coming up. But there is there are many in Premier general, League, like like mm. Brighton, for example, made wholesale changes and and got knocked out at sure. home against Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. Yes, they're fighting relegation, but would play in would a a stronger cup run, a good cup run, have, have really made that much difference? I don't know. No, I mean it's but it's just like one of those things. I mean, we we beat we beat Manchester United in two thousand and eight, and then Barnsley knocked out Chelsea, mm. and it was just it was us West Brom and Cardiff and, yeah, and someone up. else left, yeah. and it was just like, yeah. okay, who's going to win the cup this year? <laughs> yeah. So you never know; it, it can happen. It can happen. Um, as for Leicester, they also have a semi final of the Carabao Cup coming up. I think you're going to that one, aren't you, Pete? You said mm-hmm. um, they're in the semi finals against Aston Villa. It looks likely that that you know they're going to get into the Champions League this season. At least that's from a personal perspective. I mean, should they should they focus on a trophy this year? I mean, they're in the semi-finals of the, of the Carabao Cup. It'd be silly not to, would it? Yeah, Brenda Brenda Rogers has sort of been asked about this every time in his, in his press conferences. Is is what is the next barometer of of the success at, at Leicester? They've they've broken into the top four, finished in the top four. Obviously, it, it is the target. Um, but yeah, he, and he, he keeps on saying, yeah, you know, we we do. Of course, we want to win something. Especially when you get when you get further, when you get to the semi-finals, of course. Your your outlook changes. Um, they can certainly they can certainly focus on cups. Uh, they're they're a team capable of, of 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 certainly capable of winning one even two um, to 
cups with the and they have they have the squad players as well to rotate mm. whether that be in a league game whether that be in a cup game so the last are a, a team to really look out for in, in any cup competition I fancy Leicester to achieve something this mm. season I really do yeah the, the FA Cup's a good one to target I think yeah. uh, just going back to what you're saying about the not going for the FA Cup as a Premier League team mm. they don't so the four, on the weekend of the fourth round there's no Premier League game scheduled there's a no. weekend so you're no. actually not missing. No, you're not. You're not piling up. Games aren't being piled up. No. I don't think they start until the fifth round. No, maybe it's, even later. Yeah, it's the end so of this month. Like teams like Leicester would look at that and go, right, well, we're not. You know, we're not, not got a game anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Why, why don't you just go for it? I'm um, Rogers would relish winning oh. silverware. Oh, oh yeah. One hundred percent. Imagine him on that open top brand. bus. Oh, oh god, he'd, he'd <laughs> on his own. On his own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd be in a limo at the front when he like the, like the Pope. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, what, like what you said about West Ham. I always, I always used to think the same about Arsenal when the Emirates had just been built and Wenger, you know, with players like Vermaelen and and players like yeah. that, getting them into the top four. Yeah. And my friend who's an Arsenal fan's like, oh, we're top four, finish fourth this season. I was like, what for you to get knocked out in the Champions League group stages <laughs> and do it all again next year? Mm. It's just, a, it's just a cycle of over and over again. But whilst you're on, sort of, you've got a strike well the iron's hot haven't you mm. cliche but you have to Leicester City <laughs> are, are hot at the moment and they're going to have to make the most of it that's like what Pete was saying before you win one game you win two and if you win two you might win three and then it mm. snowballs doesn't yeah, it yeah of course and which is why, maybe why they played such a strong team mm. uh, at the weekend yeah if you uh, in games like that as well like the Leicester game if you if you go into two goal lead like they did quite comfortably you can then take the foot off the gas you don't have to you don't have to go hell for leather so that's almost an arrest in itself isn't it mm. so the, the, there is there is two ways of doing things i understand managers need to to rest players at times yeah but mid mid table premier league clubs making nine changes in third round of the fa cup always baffles 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 me, baffles me yeah. too it's um, the teams with strong recruitment that do well because they're able to make five or six changes on actually the yeah. players that come in um, don't kind of negatively impact the performance. I mean, you kind of look at Leicester. James Justin's really good. Yeah, they signed uh, him over the summer. Barely, yeah, had a, barely had a sniff, and he was excellent for Luton yeah. for the last two years. Yeah. Damari Gray is a bit in and out. Mm. All Brighton's like kind of coming towards the end. They all played. Um, Chowdhury played. Wes Morgan. Yeah, they've yeah. got like enough, haven't they, to be yeah. able to like make a sprinkle in the changes? Yeah, sure. And still have a nucleus of a decent. First team, and I like the look of Chowdhury. I think he's getting better and better with each week. Actually, um, scored mm. his first goal last week. Was a really good strike as well. So yeah, no, it's exciting to to see how he gets on. Um, talking of sort of changes and the transfer window being open, Manchester United and Wolves in an all Premier League affair ended goalless. The dreaded January transfer window is open. Jay, um, <laughs> Manchester United, will we see movement? I think a massive question mark is what we're probably going to ascertain from this. If if I had to say yes or no, I'd probably say no. I don't think I don't know. I might be wrong, but I just, I, I don't know. There's already sort of rumblings that nothing's going to happen. January is notoriously difficult. I mean, I know I mentioned Patrice Ever earlier, and you know we did sign Vidic and Ever in January, but that's mm. the exception, not the rule. We also signed Alexis Sanchez in January, which was a disaster. Yeah, and you tend to end up almost panic buying a little bit in January or you know a player or players become available for a reason and the reason they're available a lot of the time is clubs are willing to let go of him because they don't yeah. want him unless I mean, you're fishing in a small pond yeah, yeah I mean someone yeah. like say a Christian Eriksen for example would have been a great signing for, for United I think mm. because it would have been really cheap he comes in he knows the Premier League does a job straight away and we've got problems in midfield that doesn't look like it's going to happen I, I don't know there might be something happening I mean there's talk of this Gedson Fernandez. I don't know a lot about him I don't know, but I don't think we're going to sign anyone, and I think that's going to be a problem because let's face facts: a draw away at Wolves wasn't a terrible result. No. You know, we've lost 
twice there, I think, um, mm. last season. They knocked us out of the club and lost in the league. We drew in the league this season with our strongest team. Yeah. I think the Wolves game in the league, if memory serves, was the last time we had all our players available. Mm. When we like Pogba and Martial and, and Rashford all fit. Sure. Um, and we still only drew. So it's not a terrible result. I the sort of the, the main downside is we've got another fixture now, we've got a replay. Um, and we're just so short. You know, Pogba's out, McTominay's out, Soka Maguire picking up a knock. Um, and we're, we're threadbare. And I think the, the issue is Oli can bring in some of these youngsters. We've got some good young players. Even in midfield, I like the likes of Dylan Levitt and James Garner and players like that, mm. but they're not ready yet. They're probably a season or two away from Premier League or first mm. team. So if you're throwing them in into important games, into Premier League games or last stages of the cup games, yeah. it's a bit of a struggle, to be honest with you. And they're not the quality of player that, that Manchester United would want <clears throat> in terms of, for instance, letting Fellaini go. I know that was last January and he probably would have gone in the summer anyway. But there's a lot of talk about they got rid of players and didn't replace them. Mm. Um, you need bodies, don't you? You need personnel. Um, and Fellaini, albeit for all his flaws, was an experienced player who would have done a good job in a game like this. Well, even more so than Fellaini, I, mean, I agree with what you're saying, but Ander Herrera, for example, yeah, who played so. every game under Ole when yeah. he was fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ole made it pretty clear he didn't want Fellaini as soon as he came in. Fellaini wasn't for him. He was gone within a few, yeah, pretty much which a few is weeks. okay. I don't think many fans, even though I actually thought Fellaini did a decent job for us and scored some important goals, I don't think many United fans were crying about that one. Ander Herrera played every game, was one of our best players under under Ollie, and I think he was at the club for, what was it, five years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did a really good job over those five years, won some trophies as well. And to not replace him just baffled me because you're taking out a player who's a regular first team, especially when the likes of, you know, you look at Nemanja Matic, he had a bit of a stinker towards the end of last season. So there was question marks about whether he could lie on this season. Paul Pobber said he wanted to leave. So there was question marks about whether he'd stay. Fred was a bit of an unknown entity. I know he's had a good season. Scott McTominay still relatively young. Mm. So to let a player who played every game in your midfield go, not replace him as well, you throw in names like Lukaku, who yeah. played a lot of football, didn't, didn't, um, went small in as well. It, you know, there's, there's okay, you can say we're getting rid of the Deadwood, which is, is a bit harsh, to be honest. But if you're not replacing him, it just doesn't make a lot of sense and it stinks of Glazonomics. A key indication of, of United's um, transfer activity or pending lack of tra- uh, activity is uh, Solskjaer saying that Matic is going to stay. Um, he's not got a look in all season until recently because United have got so desperate now with McTominay out yeah. um, that he has to play. And it was very clear that he wasn't even getting on the bench for games when he was fit, Matic. And it was very clear that Solskjaer is not a fan but all of a sudden he's now saying he's going to stay and he's playing. Yeah. I was there for the AZ Alkmaar game in the Europa League mm. and he played all right. He's okay. Uh, you know, against them, he was fine. Solskjaer's not a fan, um, that's quite clear, but there isn't anyone else. <laughs> they're just, they're, I've, I've never seen a United squad so with such thin, a, with mm. so thin in, in, in midfield especially. There's, before, absolutely, there's absolutely no one. Before this season, and, Andrew Pereira would have played more pre-season friendlies for United than... yeah. Yeah, yeah. Games. yeah, yeah. He seemed to be on every single tour for about six years. Yeah, he did. Never yeah, yeah. Actually he always he did, he did quite well in a couple of pre-seasons, didn't he? And then he was like, he moved to this like defensive midfield role, and I think it was last pre-season, might be the one before. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute, he's just like you know, he gets stuck in. Yeah. He's, he's quite good. Then disappeared again until yeah, the summer. <laughs> I think. Well, then yeah, I remember Jose dropped him after the Brighton game. He didn't get a look in again. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to the Matic thing, you remember after the Everton game when we got beat four 0 in the last season. Mm-hmm. And the first and only time really Solskjaer's criticised the players publicly where he said some of them won't be here. And Matic had a stinker that day and everyone yeah. thought, oh, he's one of the ones. Yeah. He's got to be one of the ones that he's on about. And it looked like he was because, as you said, mm. Pete, he didn't even get on the bench. Yeah. And you think, well, that, you know, that's the end of his United career. Mm. And now he's like, I had to 
probably convince him to stay because he's going to play football for us because we've got no other options. Dribbled past six times in the game against Wolves, which is a is a lot. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> for, a central, yeah. for a central midfield player. It's not too uh, uh, it's not too great. A statistic. Jay, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Robin Van Persie? Oh, oh mate. <laughs> what, up front? <laughs> in the heyday? Yeah. Who, who are you picking? They could both you, get the you team can now. Choose, you can uh, choose the terms. Right, well, I picking? will say one thing, right? I've seen some nonsense on social media. Robin Van Persie is a United legend. I don't care if he only had one proper season at the club. He won a title number 20. He banged in 20-odd league goals. He's a legend and he's entitled to say what he says. I personally didn't really mind Ole Gunnar Solskjaer smiling after the Arsenal defeat. I think if you take a still of anyone in a video, you can sort of make out what you will of it. It didn't bother me at the time, if I'm being honest. I saw it and I wasn't like, why is he smiling? I'm, I'm just going to be honest about that. It is a shame because it's a bit embarrassing, I think, for the club seeing your manager and the next player having a bit of a public spat. It's all a bit unbagged. So people forget he's called the baby-faced assassin. Like, uh, people seem to forget his nickname. Yeah, like, he, so, he saw a replay of the goals that he conceded and he's probably laughing, thinking, oh my you God. Can, I mean, people have been digging out videos of Fergie laughing after he got knocked out of the Champions League or the Champions League <laughs> it's, it's a little load of nonsense. I just wish they'd all make up because um, it's, a, it's a proper sit on the fence. I love them both. Both more as players, really. The manager yeah, yeah, yeah. side it, of Ollie's still a bit. It uh, did get a bit Joey's catty. out in it, really. It did get a bit catty. Though. It was like WWE at one point. He well, took my number 20, but that's all he's going to take yeah. from me. <laughs> was like, I was quite I was pretty surprised with Ollie there because I yeah. thought he might just dismiss it yeah. and go, I'm not bothered. Mm. Yeah. But it seemed to bother him it because did. he said, like, he got really genuinely angry about it. So, yeah, it's just a load of nonsense. And I'm. Sh- I just hope you know they can they can make up like Fergie and Roy Keane did. <laughs> <laughs> still on. Uh, as for Wolves, they're enjoying a, a great season after what was a shaky start. So you know they've come into their own really, and they've seemed to have come through the Christmas break all right. And they gave a couple of youngsters some games as well, which was nice to see. Yeah, but then to kind of, I think they probably look at that game going into it and say we should probably win this. Yeah, um, and they didn't, and now they've got an extra game. Um, and what have they got? Thirty-six games, thirty-seven games so far they've played. Wolves. Is it that many? Yeah. Europa yeah. League and it's good. The good thing about Wolves this year is that they've actually gone for the Europa League. Yeah. And they really had a good. It's not affected the Premier League. No, and not they, really. And they look like they could win it as well. They don't look like they're just going to stumble to the quarterfinals or whatever. Yeah. They look like yeah. they've got a chance. I remember last year, I would covered Burnley in the Europa League, although it was only for like a month. Um, and at the, <laughs> after after the, after they lost against Olympiacos or they went out against Olympiacos, it, the dressing room got quite tasty because the players really wanted to have a go at it, and the manager didn't. And as we were saying before about kind of Premier League survival, that they were more bothered about survival, where the players actually wanted to have a real go at a European competition. And the Wolves players are probably thriving on that at the moment. And the, I I don't know, kind of obviously never played professionally, but you wonder whether they're looking ahead to February and going, right, well, if I can play well for a, a few games, then I'm putting myself in the frame to play in these, you know, in these bigger occasions. Mm. Yeah, possibly. No, it's a, it's a really good point. What I was more stunned about was the fact that Adama Traore suggested that he's never been yeah. to the gym and all of his muscles are natural, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I was staggered by. Yeah. Seeing the size of the man, unbelievable. I was quite pleased to hear it. And one similarity I have with him is that neither of us have been to a gym. So. <laughs> uh, some of the other results involving Premier League teams: Chelsea beat Nottingham Forest by two goals to nil at Stamford Bridge. They actually wore an interesting uh, kit. They had uh, sort of a a replica of the 1970 kit to mark 50 years since they won the FA Cup for the first time in 1970. Middlesbrough nearly uh, scored an upset over Tottenham, but Lucas Moura scored a header to ensure that that game went to a replay. It finished 1-1. 
Brighton lost 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, there was a lovely interview actually with one of the Sheffield mm. Wednesday youngsters uh, who was just full of life after making his debut, which was really great to see. Uh, and Sheffield United lost 2-1 to AFC Fylde, which leads us nicely on to, go. to Jack's story that he was... Uh, uh, going to talk about this is, this is you forgot, you forgot them didn't rubbish. you it's been so long ago that I've forgotten about it <laughs> non-league is full of colourful characters and there are a few like quite well-known chairmen and owners who like to you know stick their oar into team selection and whatever sure mm. AFC Files have got loads of money the facilities are incredible yeah I mean I think you've been there haven't you Mill it's, Farm yeah, yeah. it's amazing stadium. it's an amazing it's, it's all geared up for the football league that's where they want to be. They've had a quite a bad season, so they sacked um, Dave Chandler. Chandler. Chandler, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. See the been, throw-in guy. Yeah, Tramier, so he yeah. was the one that had the really long throw-ins at Tranmere. I wonder why that name was. Yeah, yeah, when they when they got to the, I think they got to the semi-finals, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he'd been there seven years and taken them through the divisions, and they sacked him because they were in, I think they were in the bottom four. In yeah, the they're in the they're, they're in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, yeah, they were doing far worse than expected. So they so they roped in uh, Brett Ormrod and John Hills, who used used to play for Blackpool, which is like 10 miles up the road. Down the road. And they took training for that week before the game. But the owner, David Haythornthwaite, who's quite a wealthy fella um, and likes to think he knows his football, didn't trust them to pick the team. So Haythornthwaite went into the dressing room before the match, looked at the ke- looked at the goalkeeper, said, right, John Smith, you've been terrible for us for the last 12 months. You're in goal. And then looked at the <laughs> right back and went, you've been hopeless for the last six weeks. You're playing at num- you're the number two, and then tried to pick the left back. Pointed at the wrong person and told him, "Niall, you're playing at left back," was, yeah. but was pointing at the wrong person, wrong player, and then only named ten players. <laughs> I went, All right, lads, off you go. And someone had to turn around and go, "You've only named ten. which just I think kind of encapsulates non-league football a little bit. Very, very good. I like that. That's good. I'll tell you what about their ground. I think they're going to have some issues with parking. I think this is. If they ever get into the football league, it's called Mill Farm. It is a stadium <laughs> on a farm. That is, there's no thrills about the name. It is a farm yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a stadium on it. Um, a bit like Forest Green, their stadium's just in the side of a hill in a village in Gloucestershire. Is anyone um, is anyone fracking there now? Whenever I used to cover the Fylde coast when I was a reporter, it was all fracking protests every week. Earthquakes yeah, well, and he's, everything. He's, yeah. yeah, the owner's... In favour of fracking. Oh, oh it's very controversial, that, <laughs> mate. Honestly, my job when I was a Lancashire reporter was half the time was just going out of foul coast to deal with fracking. It was, man, it was like it was like Oli versus RVP. You couldn't be on the right side of the argument. Uh, at least you'd, seriously. At least you'd still be in a job, I suppose, is what you could yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this has been Football Social Daily. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Pete. I've been Niall. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We'll be back, of course, throughout the rest of the season. Every single day of the Premier League season, we'll bring a podcast to you. Make sure you follow us on Twitter as well, at the Sports Social. But that's it for today and we'll speak to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.